This week on Winning Women, we speak to Swongile Ndashe, a human rights lawyer who's passionate about defending the rights of women and the queer community. The 43-year-old is on various missions which include to ensure that everyone, regardless of one's background, enjoys equal protection of the law and that lawyers assigned to protect the interests of their clients also understand their clients' identities. We met her at her Johannesburg offices to discuss this and the extent which she has gone through to ensure that justice is served. Many lawyers do not go to law school or where the issue of LGBT or sexual orientation and gender identity is even part of the curriculum, right? And even when they're doing advanced legal kind of practice, the law societies or the local bar associations would not have anything that has to do with uh, LGBT. So, of course, when we talk about sexual rights, it's not new rights, it's not special rights, they are part of the whole entire human rights framework. But when rights starts applying to people, just like we are saying that the law is gendered, in the same way that we can say the law is homophobic or the law is transphobic, right? So in some ways, we want to do something that says we are using the law as a tool for social change, but we do recognize that the law has been an instrument of oppression, you know, for women and for LGBT people um, in the world, on the continent, and it's these laws that we have to change. So really there's been quite a number of reasons that speaks to the need to establish something like ISLA that comes as a response you know, to all of these limitations, whether it's capacity or skills deficit or just not really understanding the substantive issues. You know, sometimes you'll have lawyers who are human rights lawyers, but they can't tell the difference between the rights of trans people from the rights of intersex people. And then sometimes, you know, um, they go into court to to argue, but basically the remedy that they are looking for is not going to necessarily benefit, you know, the community that they are fighting for because it's something that's really new to them, you know, something that they are picking up because someone has just come and say, hey, there is an issue. I want to get a new passport, you know, uh, that identifies me correctly. In 2017, while on a workshop to challenge healthcare provision laws in Tanzania, Ndashe found herself to be among those who were arrested for allegedly promoting homosexuality in the country. In that case, um, the Tanzanian government had banned the distribution of lubricants in public health care settings. They had closed down drop-in centers. Drop-in centers are something that uh, UNAIDS thought was important for LGBTI people to access prevention and uh, treatment for HIV services. 
this was in recognition of the discrimination that people or LGBTI people often faced in healthcare settings when seeking to access services. So the closure of the drop-in centers, the ban of lubricants really had an impact on people's right to health. And there were many groups that were affected um, in this. So we had been working on developing a case that challenges, you know, the state's action in banning the distribution of lubricants and also this. So the way in which we work, we work with communities. So there were quite a number of people, the people who were there, were people who used to run some of the drop-in centers. So people who have actually lost livelihood as a result of the state action. People who accessed, you know, the services and a whole range of people, um, key populations as kind of UNAIDS, sex workers, drug users, LGBTI people, and all of that. So that was the reason that we were there um, consulting. We had been working in Tanzania with the same group for over two years, and so now we were getting ready to file. So it appears that the group was either infiltrated and then the police were called, and so what they came to do was to stop people from promoting homosexuality, right? They soon realized that they got the wrong people. But I think the hard part was just not being able to climb back because the commissioner of police had gone to the media and basically lied about a whole range of things. So basically the narrative that had been built, you know, and that there were South Africans. So it's basically like people who are promoting uh, homosexuality, you know, in there. When we realized what happened, um, luckily, you know, the South African High Commission immediately jumped, you know, you know, and uh, they were really amazing. We stayed for a very long time, but South African government didn't kind of let them because it was like, I mean, their position was South Africans get arrested everywhere and we always neutral. You know, that we're not going to let South Africans go out there and break other people's laws. So if a law has been broken, do that. We just want to know which law it is. And they couldn't say that because they said it was promotion of homosexuality, but there is no law like that. So this was a denial of people's rights to legal representations or to access courts when their rights were being violated by government. So this was a retaliation more than anything else. But the most recent thing is that we have filed uh, a court case basically challenging our arrest and deportation. It took a very long time because we needed to come to an agreement, I think, with the local partners about what's the best way to proceed. So because we cannot, with the situation being what it is now in Tanzania, we cannot protect or look after the local partners that we were arrested with. So we have now made a decision to just proceed the three people who were not uh, Tanzanian to, to file the court case to challenge the, the violation. So that's what happened in Tanzania. One of the things that we are quite passionate about here at ISLA is to really think about litigation in ways that brings about social change. And so one of the things it's about has this law been able to make um, decisions? Like, has it been able to change people's lives, you know, in, in this country? And that's what we want to be able to do. And um, I think this is a, 
it's a question that, uh, of course, people, there's no legal prohibition, you know. We were number five in the world, you know, to get um, equal marriage. Uh, one of the first countries to have a constitution that protects people from discrimination on the ground of sexual orientation. So we have made a lot of stride. But the the effects of the law doing that, it's not something that's just going to change, right, because the law has changed, because it doesn't necessarily or always kind of trickle down, that because you have changed on paper, that the law says sexual conduct is not illegal, then people begin to say, oh, okay, that's fine, you know, and all of those things. So social change is possible, but we need to be deliberate and intentional about it. I think what we all know is that law in itself is not going to, it may create an enabling framework, you know, but certain people in society may be able to benefit from the changes in law. So our task is to make sure that everyone is able to benefit, you know, from the changes. In Dasha's own words, it's difficult to distinguish between her personal and professional life as the end to Africa Pride Month draws close Ndashe argues that despite progress being made in addressing challenges faced by the queer community across the continent, much more needs to follow. Tune in next week to find out how queens are becoming the change they want to see. Hashtag winning women.